Hello to our beloved patrons. Thank you for subscribing to our podcast. I honestly believe you have got a solid return for your investment in this bonus episode because we have a wonderful guest, Ruben Kay, who is on in Daniel Sloss's absence. I interview Ruben. It, it, it is like an interview because he's going through so much at the minute. He's going through so much controversy. And we're, ch- we're chatting about it, but he unpacks the issue with so much humour, so much intelligence. And so much charisma and it's such a it's such an interesting insightful conversation that we've just had and it has everything this episode it's it's dirty it's filthy it's silly it's fun and we even end the podcast and we start leaving the hotel and we're chatting and we'll laugh about something and we're like right let's go back on and press record and talk about this so there's like a false summit where you think the podcast's over we've done all the plugs we say good night and then we'll come back on and just do like a marvel after the credits bit where we talk about the king's coronation and all that shit so enjoy this episode i hope you have as much fun as i did recording it ruben is an absolute legend and it's been a delight chatting to him for the last hour or so Go and enjoy it. Sloss and Humphreys on the road. Muggins and cream, cream and muggins, straight thugging, living the dream. That, that's our intro. Fucking muggles. Tickling the clit inside your head to make you laugh. <laughs> they said it can't be done. Are we in the same seats? That's hack. Oh, muggles. Accidental rib job in the park. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Or am I just being cynical? Just muggled it up on fucking Mugglepedia. Where have you been since 9-11? Ruben, hi! Thank you for joining me on the podcast, mate. It's a pleasure. I've I've known you just like a couple of days, like three or four days, but we've worked together nonstop since we met. It's been lovely. It's been nice, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Has. Uh, so we do, we met at the comedy store, done a couple of gala shows out in Perth, mm-hmm. practically touring together. It's it's so funny. I think there's an immediacy of when you're working with a comedian. It's not just like oh we're we're working together. You see each other in quite vulnerable places just before you go on stage just after you come off stage and also while you're on stage it's one of those things i think for comedians it it's it's a way of masking who you are with your gags but it also amplifies exactly who you are in terms of what gags you make what taste level and it's that interesting thing when you're with comedians i feel it a lot um of knowing that other comedians are also listening and watching the set yeah, with scrutinising the, eyes. There's a vulnerability about that, isn't there? Yeah. Because I'll sometimes stand at the back and even if I love the comic that's on, pull apart the set. Yeah. like, And you'd be a fool to think that's not happening to you. It, it's <laughs> terrifying. I, one time we were at the factory in Sydney and it was me, Cassie Workman, Geraldine Hickey, Rosie Delaney, AJ Lamarck, like pretty great names. Geraldine Hickey, Cassie Workman, two people I look up to hugely. I'd only just started working with Rosie Delaney, but she's got this fantastic gag. I won't she's the only one of those guys I haven't met. Oh, really? Rosie, I've never seen Rosie. She's trans comic, and she walked out on stage and says, you can try give up smoking. You can, I'll butcher this gag. You can try give up smoking. You can try giving up cigarettes. You can try giving up dairy. But has anyone here ever tried to give up male privilege? <laughs> it's really great. It's really good. Uh, <laughs> but we bombed. I think everyone found the room really hard. Very small room. Everyone was having a rough time. In what city was it in? Sydney at the factory. Yeah. And um, But the laughs were coming from backstage. Yes. Suddenly you heard like Geraldine Hickey laughing or Cassie Workman guffawing. And those are two comics with pretty high standards. Yeah. And suddenly uh, we all realised we were kind of performing yeah. for the other comics more than the yeah, audience. Yeah, playing at the back of the room. Yeah. Yeah, this, that, that's the salvage, isn't it? It's like, I can take this gig down in flames or I can make the comics laugh. Yeah. They're the it's, two options. It's like making the crew laugh. Yeah. You know? There was a great moment. Um, 
Brody Snook had a joke at the at that gig we were at, mm-hmm. um, Shazamming a song at a funeral, and it didn't get a great response. But I, yeah, I lost it. You, you come up to me after that, and you're like, "That's just three words that go great together: Shazam song funeral." Yeah, perfect. I don't need any more from a joke. Yeah, it's also it's because I'm a dirty comic. I work a lot, and you know. Shit, piss, cock, bum, poo, whatever. Uh-huh. When I find someone who's made a joke that's clean, that's really good, yeah. I'm like, fuck you. Love it. That's why I love that guy, John, Cru- John Cruikshank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's just got such fun, silly, victimless, clean jokes. I know. I have and, so much envy. And I don't think I could write one of them if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think your wife comes off really great in that bit you do. About oh, it. man, if you met my wife, she is the most dignified, wholesome, what like, she, beautiful woman. What does she do when you do that set? Just make sure that her mother never sees it. <clears throat> Essentially, she just, like, head in her hands, just, uh, look, I have to give him full creative license. You know, I have to give, I can't, I can't hold him back on what he wants to talk about. That's lovely. I'm, 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 I'm behind this wholeheartedly. But let's just put my head down and hope not to be recognised in the crowd. Who I oh, that's Because so my family all have opinions and notes on my act continuously. Do they actually? Oh, yeah. Do you get grief for it or not? Mm. Yeah. Um, my, uh, I took a long, my mum, uh, I had to take a, a strict boundary of like 24 hours after a show, you cannot give me any notes. Because she would come up and be like, has everyone told you you're great? Fantastic. You do this little thing in the second half. I think you should switch it to this part of the show. I think oh. this joke belongs here. I think direction. Um, direction. Oh, that's different. Yeah. Uh, that's good. That's yeah. welcome. Is right? it? No. Yeah, I think no. if it if it's good direction. I don't have a I've, very I'm not good at being told what to do. No. Uh, so I'm like, get away from yeah, it. It uh, yeah, gets well, my hackles. Why are you why are you trying to put my chaos in order? Correct. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. also like I admire people who are much more um, easily collaborative. And they go, oh yeah, yeah. What what do you think? And they don't have, they don't have that like boundary of of being wounded. Yeah. First thing that happens to me is I take it personally. Ah. Uh-huh. And I'm quite sensitive. <laughs> I'm so vulnerable. I am. Why would you get me now? Exactly right. Uh, like right, right right when I've just exposed myself on stage and you just see the open oh, flesh wound and yeah, you're yeah, just yeah, in yeah. with assault. That's it. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I try not to censor myself at all. I, like when it comes to like my family, my wife, my mother, my father, like they come, they come see, um, they come see my shows always, and I don't want to censor myself. No, I'd rather they be upset than me compromise. And have they ever been upset? Well, there was one time I did change the words of something. Right, I've got this bit where um, I'm a teenager and I fell out with my mother, and she's not telling me off, but she's doing housework angrily. <laughs> and she's angrily hoovering the stairs, right? And even though she's saying nothing, I can hear her internal monologue screaming in my direction. And she's just like, look what you made me do. You made me run on the carpet with outdoor footwear on. And I just go out and pack the whole thing where she's like, nobody wears shoes on the carpets in this house. I've got to keep it looking like a show home the whole time. Mm. Right? Even though we're going to live here for two decades as a family, it's got to look like nobody's ever lived here. It's in case we invite guests, but we never invite guests because they make a mess, right? And she's going through that and the conclusion she comes to, she's like, actually, the more I think about this, the more I think I'm doing it for my own mental illness. And that was the line all through the show. And then my mother came to watch. And I was like, I can't do it. This is where I shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. Yeah. Because I'm like, I can't do it. So I changed it. The more I think about this, the more I think I'm only doing it for my own OCD. That's what I changed the line to. Sure. And my mother come up to us afterwards. Like, I just had a banging show, right? She just watched us kill for an hour at the fringe. And she just come up and went, do you think I've got an OCD? <laughs> 
I'm like, oh, I'm glad you went here yesterday. Yeah, 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 right. Because at least you can go, no, 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 it's just a joke. It's just a punchline. It's just a punchline. But mental illness, there's no way to hide that. The, it also, it's it's like everybody, like, that's like Natalie in, in my set that you saw. Mm. My mother in the set that I done then. The characters. Yeah. It's not quite them. No, I, my, I know for a fact that um, I don't think my stepmom's going to listen to this, but I love my stepmom. I'm really lucky. I've got um, amazing stuff. You didn't want to hear that. No, right. No, no. But, <laughs> love, she's but not going to listen to this, I've right? got some I jokes. I love her. I do, I do. <laughs> in case, just in case. But I do. And um, we get along great, but there are some jokes that if she's in the audience, I'll pull from the set about my dad, who died six years ago. Um, because there's a lot of tropes. There's a lot of tropes in queer comedy about fathers you know and uh i work within those tropes but i know that if she were in the audience she would find those upsetting yeah uh and you know out of sensitivity for that i'll pull those jokes yeah people like that are in the audience yeah people have a different boundary for it's disrespectful don't they correct well i don't it's a difference between like disrespectful and and she would she wouldn't find it disrespectful she just i could feel that she would just go oh that's that's upset her mm-hmm. because it brings back painful memories and things. She loved my dad. I love my dad. Yeah, but you just deal with it in different you ways. You, in you different can ways. use humor and stuff. Yeah, whereas she'd rather be somber. Exactly right. And yeah. also, I guess there's also an element of, you know, seventy-year-old um, middle-class women. My audience, or <laughs> or is like the queer community and the stories that we hold in the queer community part of my audience. And the answer is yes. There's both. So I tell different stories for both. Yeah. It's decorum, isn't it? That's what's strange about this job. Is right. I operate in decorum. If I'm at my if I'm at my wife's parents' house, you'll not see me swearing. One might slip out, but it's an accident, yeah. Yeah. right? And I, I hold myself in a in a different way. It's yeah. and then when I'm on a stag do with my friends, you'll see a completely different side of me. And then every now and again, both those people are in the same room. Yeah, and you're like, oh, both what of them I, people are me. This is why but, I do not I do not let my friends meet. No, do you I, not? Hate it. I get so anxious oh. when my friends meet because I do feel like I put um, slightly different versions of myself on different yeah. within different friendship groups, and when they meet, they start talking about me, mm-hmm. and that's when I go, "Oh, oh God!" So, some of your friends really respect you, and some of you have, them have seen you at your worst. Yeah, and they're just ruining ruining any respect you've gained with that group of friends. Well, all the different stages in the friendship. Some of them have met me being like, "Oh yeah, he's the planner. He's the one who cooks. He's like the nurturer." And they go, "No, he's the hot mess who we had to pull out of the middle uh, of the road." Yeah, like, people cook for him. Yeah, yeah people yeah. organize for he him. He doesn't know how to do anything. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So funny. I like uh, your opinion counts for something amongst a certain group of friends, and then the meet your friends where you've you've fucked up with your opinion too many times. Yeah, you've absolutely. showed too much hypocrisy. You've changed on a day that your opinion means dirt to them friends and then they meet the ones who think that you've got wisdom yeah yeah we have a bunch of friendship groups and some of us are like oh well he's the wise owl of the group and i'm Uh, like no no he's he's the one who does who's functioning with oral gonorrhea half of the time yeah (laughs) so then then they they've got to meet a church group yeah (laughs) yeah i really get off on my friends meeting each other and getting along that's nice. like i love that i've got like um, friends from Newcastle that live out in Liverpool, Manchester, and comedians that stay at their house when they go oh, to that nice. night, when they're gigging in that area, and they don't need me. I didn't have to facilitate it. I didn't middleman 
them hanging out for the weekend. They've just met on various occasions that I've been to, and I just look and just go, look at that friendship, friendship blossoming That's between lovely. two people from completely different walks of life. The fuck was that? That was like a doorbell. Do you have a doorbell? I know. Um, you? Was it your phone? Did your phone let off some kind of alert? Oh yeah, it was. That was my um. That was my Virgin Australia app telling me it's time to check in. Not a plug. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll turn that on silent. I'm a professional. Yes, it's all right. We had Bart Freeburn on the podcast the other day, and his heart rate monitor went off five times, saying his blood sugar, <laughs> his blood sugar spiked. <laughs> he was having a diabetic coma, and he was just styling it out. You're really like, oh no, I'm really sorry about this going off. <laughs> He doesn't just slowly like bring out a syringe and start tourniqueting his thigh and just going, I just need to give myself a little shot. <laughs> yeah, amputate his toe. That's fantastic. So um, I wanted to talk to you about everything you told me uh, last week. Yeah. About your dramas. We've had so much oh, drama. Dramas. Because um, me and Daniel talk on this podcast a lot about uh, cancel culture being a bit of a myth. It sells tickets. No one really gets cancelled. And just like people are like uh, like trying to get cancelled. And then something really peculiar happened with you. The, the right who defends free speech and try and make it so that like everybody, nobody can be deplatformed. They, they managed to actually physically deplatform you. Yeah. Can we, can we unpack this? Sure. Um, so for anyone who's, um, I just went on the project. The project is a TV show here in Australia that started off as a sort of a larrikin news parody show, a bit like the mash in yeah. the UK. Can you explain to me the word larrikin? Is this an Aussie term or just a word I don't know? Yeah. But I've seen it a few times since I've larrikin. been here. Larrikin. It's sort of like, um, oh, he's um, he's a prankster. He's a bit of a drunk. He's a bit of maybe a bit of a public nuisance. It's part of right. the Australian. Um, Worshipping of the the outlaw, yeah, okay, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's a bit. Oh, he's just a bit of a mess. He's what we would call problematic, but adorably so. Uh-huh, right. Great. So and we're like Larrikins. Yeah, we yeah. like a Larrikin. Like is Larrikin a noun? It's a person. Or is a Larrikin like no? A, you, it's a, a, it's a it's a noun and possibly an adjective. Right. But um, I would assume that like comedians would be called Larrikins, like Sloss or you would be yeah. Larrikins, adorable, yeah. cheeky, optimist deeds, getting away with it. That's it. Exactly. Uh, and it started as um, this show, The Project, started as this sort of slightly lefty, let's say, um, humanist um, news parody TV show and was really popular. Mm. And then it's obviously it's transformed and its audience has transformed um, to a slightly more mainstream or incredibly mainstream and increasingly slightly conservative, I would imagine. Um uh, audience and as such the material on it has also sort of the edges of it have necess- have been a bit dulled in my personal opinion so the um, the kind of the kind of changed to where the audience was coming from and leaned towards it rather than just sticking true to who they are and letting the audience develop did they yeah i think it all just did, sort of so i think as tv became more more risk averse mm-hmm. you know i think you can see that in a lot of television programming um as tv audiences have dwindled, they've gone, well, we don't have the finances or the resources to take big swinging risks or make edgy stuff that could result in less viewership. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So it's become a bit less risky. Uh, The, and I was booked on it. 
And on it, I I told a joke that I was I've been telling for ten years. Yeah, one of the first jokes I've ever told on stage, and I think I told it in London in two thousand and eleven. Oh, really? Yeah. And it and it was, uh, was did you knock the cobwebs off it because it was Easter and it yeah. came for this joke? <laughs> like, well, ba- what, what basically I had been, um, we'd been trying to get some jokes on on TV for my own like oh, I just want to if it's on TV I want to get this joke on it I think it'll be funny yeah right. Um, and in an age where you can clip stuff and get it on socials and like uh, anything that you can ab- package in a short form and put online. Absolutely. So we, um, so the project booked me. I met with the producers. Um, we went over everything and then we were on air and I said the joke. And the joke is I was talking about hate I receive online because mm-hmm. I did this thing with Channel 4 where I interviewed kids and it's one of the biggest things Channel 4 has ever done digitally or broadcast. And within 24 hours, I think it had 10 to 20 million views. And it's Amazing. huge. And that was before the pandemic. So now it's massive. But because it was a drag queen sitting in front of kids, yeah. a whole bunch of right-wing American sites got on, called me groomer, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and I just said on the project, because they asked me, what's the reaction to your work? Because it is very, um, well, they use the term naughty, which I think is hilarious on a an adult TV program to be using the words naughty. naughty. That, that tells you a lot about the mentality. Yeah, yeah. Here. Oh, it's naughty. Ooh, spanks. Ooh, ooh, uh. Yeah, because I, 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 like you've seen the material I did about my wife. I hate it if people call me naughty for that. Naughty. Like, naughty. This is, what are we, the lollipop <laughs> guild? Yeah, what is Shut it, the fuck up. It car- carry on company. <laughs> it is. It is. And what it is, is it's focusing. And I said to them, this is a funny thing that I think. Uh, on the program, I said, they said to me, What's it like working in um, risque material? And I said, well, it, it's interesting working in taboo subjects because working in filth and politics and religion, etc. it's interesting because it gives people the opportunity to think about what's really offensive, uh-huh. the words you're using or the subjects you're addressing. Uh-huh. And that is where I, I love to go, right, Here's a dick joke and here's a joke about the current political system. Smash yeah. them together and let's see which one you're really offended by and why are you really offended by uh-huh. a, a dick joke more than you are offended by jokes about, excuse me, the fact that there's more food banks than McDonald's in the UK right now. Aye. And and that leads to why are we so obsessed with filth as taboo uh-huh. when really filth is about sex and also and filth love is, and joy. Filth is the global language. Correct. It's like there's nowhere in the world you can go where like nobody like our, anything that's bodily function. Correct. Is if we can all relate to it. Like let's just say in the last couple of things like Nick Kroll, who's one of the I think most fantastic comics, the the topper of his comedy special is a, is a story about shitting himself. Great. Fantastic. And it's similar in a whole bunch of different comics. Their topper is a story about them shitting themselves. Um, so Owen and I said first off, when you're working in filth, it allows you the audience to decide. What's more offensive, the, word, the language you're using or the ideas that you're conjuring up or discussing? And then I said, they said, what's the reaction? And I said, well, the audience loves it. But online, I tend to get a lot of hate, mm-hmm. specifically from religious people saying that if I don't accept Jesus' love, I'll burn in hell, which is a ridiculous statement because I love Jesus. I love any man who can get nailed for three days straight and come back for more. Amazing. Fine. Great joke. Standard. Um, and... They laughed. Uh huh. So you did the joke on the show. I did the joke. Everyone laughed. Everyone laughed. And then overnight, it all started to 
gain momentum. We started to uh-huh. see articles come out. We started to see um, uh, messages on the project and <clears throat> on my social media. And was all of it outrage? No, no. Lots of it was hilarious. Lots of it was love. It was a small amount of outrage and it started to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, it started to grow as the Daily Mail articles came out. Yeah. So I guess the Daily Mail is the same over here as it is, is back home. Absolutely. It's and lo- it's a lo- loaded language. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just giving people the news, but pushing them in the direction. Oh, it was all always all queer comic makes disgusting jokes. Yeah, uh-huh. it was um, uh, queer comic takes name of Lord in vain. It was you know blasphemes or makes crude crude Jesus joke. Yeah, uh, and and you you know in your heart that it's an agenda from them because if Daniel Sloss, if Ricky Gervais done any of the things they've said about religion. Oh, it's not about they, the joke. It's not they, about the joke. It's they, about who's telling it. They are looking to bring you down because you're wearing makeup and you're flamboyant. And I also think there's another thing that happened, which is interesting. I think it was at the tail, it was in the middle of Mardi Gras that mm. it happened. And I just think there's a lot of people, a lot of homophobes, who don't want to say anything during Mardi Gras about queer people. Yeah. Um, what? But when I, if one of us comes for religion, a lot of it was, you demand that we have to respect you or tolerate you, and then you come for our religion. I'm like, no, no, we just want safety. Queer people just don't want to be killed in the street. Uh-huh. And if the you worst, can, yeah. worst thing that you think is can happen is I can make a joke about a small subsect of your ideology. That's not the same. They're not yeah. equitable. And also, like, to make in fun of religion. Yeah. It's... It's there, it's there to be made fun of. Absolutely. It's fucking fa- so absurd. It's everybody has their own little fairy tales. Exactly. And the rest of us live in a world where people are fucking so stuck to their fairy tales that surely we can make fun of it a little bit. If your religion is 2,000 years old, uh-huh. surely it's, it's robust enough uh-huh. to take a little poking uh-huh, yeah. from a poof, you know, in Australia <laughs> on a TV show. <laughs> It's and again <laughs> robust enough to take a poke from a puff. Yeah, <laughs> such a good <laughs> sentence. And I just want to, I just want to appreciate it. <laughs> and a lot of the hate that I receive is um, uh, always religious, but a lot of it is also why can't you be a real comedian like Ricky Gervais? Which means they love they Ricky Gervais. Listened to a word he said. No, no. But what it means is again, a straight man can say whatever the fuck he wants and then claim to be a victim. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't say anything anymore. But when a poof yeah. does it, someone who's visibly queer raises their head above the parapet and doesn't want to be the butt of a joke, uh-huh. but wants to make a joke, um, then... Silence that voice immediately. They want us to become invisible. And sorry, queer people have spent too much time being invisible. And to be fair, there are cave markings representing queer people from 9600 BCE. Mm-hmm. So we predate any idea of religion. And Alexander the Great? Absolutely. He, he was robust enough to take a poke in from a puff? Exactly. And conquered half of Europe. Yeah. And that's next on my agenda. And a leather skirt. <laughs> yes. Oh, so the, this escalated. And uh, mm-hmm. um, you had a show on at the Enmore. Yep. Amazing venue. Like Great one, venue. One, one of my favourites. Like, uh, a dream venue. Uh-huh. And, um, and there was... We, um, so I, don't yeah. want, I don't want to say too much because I don't know what you're allowed to talk about. Look, but even we, I don't really know what we, I'm allowed we, we to talk about. If you want, you, you got intelligence that it wasn't going to be safe to do the show. We, um, so, and it wasn't present in any other state in Australia, but it was just because of this. This is also interesting. So there's a small subject, and I think this is, and I think this is interesting because the timeline of this is very clear to me. 
uh, I made the joke in Mardi Gras. So people who were looking for a way to push back against queer people found a target because I, I had come after religion. Can I ask what Mardi Gras is? Because I know there's that oh. leg, uh, you know, the, the necklaces and no, so girls gone wild. Sydney. That's, what I, that's what I see Mardi Gras as. It's like, it's like that, but for queer people. It's, um, it's like Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras. Pride. Yeah. It's upright. And it was World Pride uh-huh. and Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras. And World Pride happens every two years at a different city around the world. So it was huge. World right. Pride in Sydney was amazing. I was performing at the Opera House. It was Incredible. So all all of these right wing hate groups are just, already bristly and like, why am I? Yeah. Even even though like when they, they think of religion, that's something that's just uh, is on top of everybody all the time. There's religion. Yeah, like think a, about it all the time. Christmas and Easter and do all these things. And the minute you just go, hey, our thing, they're like, no, quiet. It's very funny to be told that queer people are sex obsessed when religious people have been shoving it down our throats for centuries <laughs> in yeah. every marketplace yeah. as well. It's not just, oh, in churches, oh, we just keep it to churches. No, it's part of society. It's part of capitalism now. Mm-hmm. And that's why when queer people enter capitalism such a strong like yeah. position as we are now. And isn't Easter a fertility festival? Absolutely, <laughs> well, eggs is. and bunnies and it's all. But like all the Bible is about sex. Sex and blood is uh-huh. exactly what the Bible is built on. Yeah. It, it should like, be a lot cooler than it is. Well, didn't you see that amazing thing in? Um, uh, I think it was Texas or perhaps Florida where they're banning books because they're too licentious. And then someone said, "Well, if you're banning books based on sex and violence, we should ban the Bible." Yeah. They ended up burning Bibles off their own. Wouldn't that be the fucking yeah. best? The irony, never been the purview of the bigot. And um, so I do the joke in Mardi Gras, all these homophobes who want queer pushback, want to push back on it, find a target because I've come after religion. I've stepped out of line. There was a boxer called The Spanion who made a very homophobic post during Mardi Gras calling us faggots and pedos, got dropped by his management. Is this a professional boxer? Professional boxer. Yeah. Uh, he then saw the project or got latched onto me and latched onto me as sort of a cause celeb to gain clout and marshaled all of his followers going, this Ruben K, it's oh. a double standard. And these guys, and it's all part of, um, uh, specifically based around the Maronite Christian um, population in Sydney, who are at the center of the Christian Lives Matter movement. That, that title, like why does it have racial connotations? Oh, it absolutely does. Why? Well, like, I mean, it feels what, like the, it does, The question right? is why does it, like, we know why. We know why. We know exactly what that, like, th- three little words. It's mm-hmm. like, what is it? Shazam song funeral. Yeah. You get it. Christian lives, lives matter. matter. Um, and uh, and they they started, they, I was doing the gig at the Enmore at the Laugh Out Proud Gala before my solo show at the Enmore. And 50 men in black from the Christian Lives Matter movement charged down Enmore Road around Newtown chanting the Lord's Prayer and intimidating queer businesses outside while I was performing. Then um, they started doing a prayer circle, in inverted commas, outside my agent's office, um, waving crosses, chanting the Lord's Prayer with a huge banner saying, Reuben, come to us, we want to forgive you. Uh, And this was all reported, it's not just me, it's reported on the 7.30 report on ABC. Uh, and they all have prior form, or a lot of them have prior form, and uh, their intimidation tactics uh, through my social media and to my agents. And what are like? What are the look like as a group? Are they are they young? Are they old? Are they mixed? Is men, women? It, like, from, what, from what I've seen, it's mainly men, uh-huh. uh, and they all look like they 
they all look like they have problematic OnlyFans. But they really? kind of all look like my type, if I'm honest. They're kind of burly men with beards who all look like they bought their vapes from a shop called Statutory Vape. Does that make sense? That's like I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm, some of them are real cute, and um, which is very au fait for sort of queer sexuality and straight um, uh, and straight worship and fetishization, right? That's Do you psychology. think a lot of these guys are confused? No, I think a lot of them have been brought up in a church, a very strict Orthodox church, and I think part of the remit of any religion when it gets to its fundamental core is about removing a person's ability to critically think. Mm -hmm. Because how else can you accept the fundamental, yeah. ridiculous sort of absurdities it of takes, religion? It takes indoctrination. It takes it indoctrination. Takes cult cultish. Well, I just think there's a difference between like – I mean, like we all say, oh, no, in cults you, you chant and you, you drink weird things and you only follow certain rules and you exclude yourself from society. I'm like, that is religion. I was raised in, a, in Judaism, right? Orthodox Judaism to me is just as insane as Orthodox Christianity. Um, religion itself is just, it should be, in its purest loving form, should be just a little teddy bear you hold when you're scared at night. Yeah. If you need it. Aye. It's yeah. the same, and that's the same as anything. For it's, me, it's Julia it, Roberts movies. For you guys, it's Jesus. Yeah, like in a, in a, like if it's hard to accept that when you die, it goes dark. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Right. So it is nice to just have a little fantasy in your head. Correct. That like, oh, I'm just going to explode into this kaleidoscope of colours and like fucking because that's my that's my idea. Is that what? you have a big ass DMT dream? Yeah, absolutely. I think pineal gland bursts and you have a big ass DMT. Take dream. Take some LSD and Viagra and get a hooker. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can't recommend it enough in Zurich. We did it. It's great. Yeah. Anyway, so they um, – all of this stuff started. My social media, by the way, is my phone, constant degree, 63 degrees Celsius every day. It's yeah. like a coddled egg. You'd pay seven bucks for it on toast in sort of a ritzy neighborhood. Yeah. And I, I messaged you about doing this, and then I was like, he's not going in his Instagram DMs. What a fucking cesspit that must be. The week after. That's week... just going through all the fucking <laughs> hatred to find my phone number. Then. So what happened was, um, as it was going on, my phone, my my team took my phone away from me. Right. I completely non-communicado. No, I couldn't take it. I was yeah. scrolling and spiraling or I was um, uh, not going outside. Or if I was going outside, I was starting to like get panicky Yeah. Um, about just being anywhere and recognized by any of these people. Yeah, and it's not I, not that I think I'm I'm famous enough to be recognized. It's just this in the back of the mind fight or flight thing. But the people of, that have been get, like obsessing over here, they've been looking at pictures correct. of their face. They've been watching the clip. Like then they those, so you you might not be recognized by a, like a great deal of people when you go out, but the people that do are going to be dangerous. And it's getting tagged. It's getting yeah. tagged in things. People are saying, "Come out, you dog! Show us with your face. If I see you in the street, I'm going to drag you out by your hair." Like quite violent stuff. Um, they were threatening my parents um, through me. Um, my parents were under instruction not to open anything that came addressed to me. It was Fucking pretty crazy. Hell. Um, the um, I'm still, I love that I'm still going through the timeline of all of this. So my phone was taken away from me and then the, the police, the Vicpol South Australia Police and New South Wales Police were involved. I had to have security at gigs because we just didn't know what we were dealing yeah. with. We really didn't. And one night in Adelaide, someone snuck into the show and luckily they just pulled out of their bag a sign 
luckily it was just a sign. Sail, a silent protester. Yeah, right. And, but also, and what a pish was written on that saying. Oh, just Ruben must apologize to my God. There's a hashtag, apologize Ruben, that's gotten about a hundred... A hundred little really? tags, which I think is adorable. And I think I want to put it on a T-shirt. Just imagine so, me. Soz God. Soz God. <laughs> soz but lol. Soz, soz God. You should do the Soz God tour. Well, I've had <laughs> the Soz God tour. Well, the next show is called World War Me, which I quite like. But Soz God. Um, Maybe World War Me in the logline. I think that should be the title of this podcast now. The Soz God. Soz God. <laughs> I mean, I'm sold. I'd rather listen to that. Um, and, and then... They said they were going to protest. It was the bell. So then another. Sorry, I'm scatting about here. That's um, all right. The, there was a pro. There was a Mark Latham who is an was an Australian politician. It's now I think he's he's out. Um, he made a speech at a Sydney church in Belfield, and he's quite far right. Were you brought up in sermons, huh? Were you brought up in sermons and churches? Me, I was brought up Jewish. No, I was in. Well, oh. was <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Uh, was the, was the issue. Of you, no, brought I, up I by so. priests and church. I, I hope it was. I hope it was. I hope they started sizzling when they said my name in a consecrated ground. <laughs> the holy water just, yeah, yeah, starts, just bubbling. starts bubbling. No, it yeah. just turns. It just turns into sort of Pinot Noir. <laughs> just turns into a nice Sangiovese. Uh, and the he um he did this speech, and there were about fifteen protesters, LGBTQ protesters, because he's protest. He's pretty hateful speech, and these Christian Lives Matter guys marshaled 250 men and beat the shit out of these protesters. Uh, and it was a pretty big deal over here in Australia. So it was actually like actual actual violence, yeah. not, not the threat of... No, 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 actual violence. Where's this on the timeline? Is this last year? Is it no, no, this is recently. This recently. is maybe a few months ago. Fuck. Uh, and so they made this, and the guy, the lead guy, was on Instagram being like, you go to Belfield, you tear these people out by their hair, you punch, you beat them up, blah, blah, blah. He then, um, so that happened. And then the threats were, we're going to protest. There were 200 people were protesting outside the project's TV offices saying cancel the project, right? Excuse me. And then my management. Wait, what, what were you feeling at the time? Were you just like, fucking look what's happened? Yeah. Like, such a such a <laughs> small domino. You know, Jesus got nailed for three days. They got the, the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then boom, 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 fucking. It's ridiculous. It's it's also so funny because it's not a joke that hasn't existed before. Ah. And it's, an, it's a pun. It's a dad joke. If I'd used the word hammered versus nailed, what would they wouldn't have cared. But the fact that you're making Jesus sexual, which is ridiculous because Christians have been sexualizing and fetishizing Jesus yeah. for centuries. If so Hamad is in drunk. If I could get drunk with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't have cared. They wouldn't have cared. It's, and if you don't want us to sexualize Jesus, stop drawing him with cum gutters. Yeah. Like, I, why is he so buff? He's got absolute unrealistic goals body, doesn't he? Correct. Uh, correct. I, so I, I got, any time fitness fucking... I, I, can't, I can't go to church without being body shamed. <laughs> <laughs> so... He, yeah, it was very scary. It was a lot. It, I can't explain to you, because I'm still working through it with a therapist. Um, I can't explain to you what it was because it kept coming in waves. Like some days I would feel okay or I'd forget about it. Uh, and some days I would just sort of disassociate and, so, and spiral. And it's my, my yeah. fight or flight response, this adrenaline surges would just come through and I'd be shaking going, all right, what, what, 
what's happening? What do I do? Yeah, so you've got that fight or flight and you're seeing the hate and like it's like a pendulum swinging one way mm. and then you've got all of the love that's coming your way and all of the support that's coming your yeah. way and like comedians rallying around you and you're, you're and comedians your did. Comedians did. Comedians came forward publicly. Emrishiano tweeted, which is amazing. Uh, on my Instagram, Rosie Jones came out swinging, Great. which is amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. fucking incredible. And I felt amazing support from comedians, which is so funny because I'd always felt a bit of an imposter syndrome with comics. Oh. Yeah, because I've been raised with, oh, you're cabaret, not comedy. Excuse me. Uh, even when I was nominated for Most Outstanding Show at Melbourne Comedy Festival, yeah, yeah. people were like, oh, well, it's cabaret, not comedy, Ruben. But I think we've got a very inclusive industry anyway where if you're making people laugh, it doesn't matter how which means you're doing it. There was a know? great moment in Brisbane when something went wrong in one of my acts and the curtain that was meant to like be the kabuki drop reveal yeah. didn't reveal. So I lifted it up to go under and the whole thing fell on me and my it was a farce of a set, just a farce of a set. But I was on the bill with some amazing comics who I really looked up to, so I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. Um, and the set kind of got there in the end. But when I got off stage, every comedian was like side stage cheering and hugging me going, yeah, you ate shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it, was, it felt really nice. Yeah, it was inclusive. It was inclusive. There's, inclusive. Something, there's something inclusive about being roasted, isn't yeah. there? <laughs> like I, I want friends that I'll never say anything kind to my face, but they'll defend me behind my back. Absolutely. This is what I want. <laughs> this is what I want and what I have. Uh, not the other way around. There's something, as you say, not just inclusive, but beautiful and exhilarating about being roasted by people and roasted well because it shows how well they know you and how much uh -huh. effort they're going to put in. And how comfortable they are in your company. Yeah. How, how much they know they can get away with. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, we've just like, we've pushed boundaries to the point there just isn't any now. That's good. Yeah. No. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, so let's get on to the timeline again. So you the timeline are, again. I know it's such a long fucking timeline. Um, yeah. And then I think we're up to the um, the violence in Sydney. Yep. Yeah, uh, oh well, this is kind of where it got it got did, real. This is where my agent called me and said, "Look, we've had to have a meeting." Were there arrests? Were there? They've arrested two people, as far as I know, um, in association with all of this. Uh, I don't actually know where that's at. Uh, then. Yeah, and you probably won't find out. Like they don't really share. And I also think my management. I also think my management being quite smart about what they tell me and what they don't. Yeah. Protecting my mental health, uh -huh. which is probably which necessary. Is like great, like I, I, I've been working with all those guys, and they're great guys, and they'll do the right thing by you. I feel very supported, very, very supported by them. The so then they had a meeting with me, and they said, "Look, um, if you want to, if we want to do the show on the night that we say we will for Sydney Comedy Fest, it's going to be very difficult for us to safeguard the safety of the audience." and the band, and remember there are eight other comics on at the end more that night. Mm -hmm. So that's their audience and them. Yeah, and closing the, the streets. Well, they said, yeah, they said to us, we would be looking at closing Enmore Road, which is a pretty huge street to close. Which would take mounted police. Mm -hmm. And there would be, um, I wouldn't be able to even safeguard the businesses on Enmore Road. Mm -hmm. It's so funny how... How it's much gonna, is threatened by these people? It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect Marcellas, the butchers. Yep. It's going to be affected by it. Right. For, front, these people, front room coffee shop. No, and remember, these people aren't about peaceful protests. They're out for blood, I think. And also, it meant that the Enmore Road's one of the arteries to the Factory Theatre, Sydney uh -huh. Comedy Festival. How many shows are at the Factory Theatre? Mm -hmm. How many other comics' incomes am I going to interfere with mm -hmm. or possibly disrupt? 
how many other people's safety am I going to endanger? And I have, contrary to popular belief, not a lot of ego about this kind of stuff. I've got a pretty firm idea of what's important. And I was like, just postpone. I don't lose anything by postponing a show yeah. if it just means that other people are safe. It's the same as wearing a mask in public during yeah. a pandemic. Yeah. You do it. You get vaccinated. Like, I'd rather not, but I will. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'd rather not, but I will. And look, there is definitely a psychological point where we all went, is this losing? Is this giving up? Is this being um, giving in? And look, the thing is, maybe if I was quitting the business, uh-huh. but I've got a full career ahead of yeah. me. I've got years of shows uh-huh. and millions more people to piss off. You still were doing a bunch of gigs that, oh, like the Scarlet Pimpernel thing. Catch yeah, yeah. me if you can. I'm at this gig. I'm at this gig. Where's so he going to be? So what ended up happening was at Sydney yeah. Comedy Fest, I was yeah. the secret guest at multiple shows. Uh-huh. So I was running around and I was just and like, you're like, I've got nothing to plug. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, when's your show on Ribbon? It's not. I'm here instead. So I got to go and do a surprise gig at the Sydney Opera House and jump on the bill. I got to go to the comedy store. I got to host at the factory. I got to host at the Enmore. You know, I still got to do a lot of things, but um, my solo show. And poking fun at the cunts while you were on stage. Well, I mean, that was the best part. Um, it It was a really interesting time to feel like an outlaw. Mm-hmm. You know, but this real kind of yeah. yeah, it felt dangerous, which is what I love because cabaret itself, what I do, comes from um, a societal pushback. Cabaret really cemented itself in the 30s in the Weimar period in Germany as a response to fascism, rising fascism. So doing it in this sense suddenly felt very real and um, and very exciting, mm-hmm. and it felt like I was on the coal face of something. Yeah, I mean, you really were. Like, you were really, like, fucking p- pushing against the enemy. Yeah. Essentially, like, your fucking front lane. I love the, I love the <laughs> idea of, like, the Scarlet Pimpernel. That's fantastic. <laughs> Just scooting around. It was. And then, so we postponed the show. We postponed the show. We made the announcements. And um, we're going to postpone it to a date when the theatre is all mine mm-hmm. as well. Just easier, simpler. I don't have to worry about any other comic, any other people's audience. Yeah, and, audience. Do, and do you think because you've pressed snooze on it, then it'll have like the 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 heat of what the what the momentum had built for them as a front, like for the right wing groups? Do you think that'll have fizzled out a little bit, and and it'll yeah. and it'll be less of a yeah, I think it will less of an opposition because they'll be angry at something else by then. I they think, get angry at stuff. It's what they I do. Mean, look, I, and when will this go out? Hmm? When will this podcast go out? Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Yeah, I think it. I think there's an element of that. I certainly think you know, in the same way that dogs chasing cars will chase the next car that comes along. Yeah. Um, I think there's an element of that. I think it'll also be a much less difficult and costly procedure to lock down the Enmore Theatre and make sure everyone's safe and check everyone who comes in and, you know, it won't be a matter of closing a street. Yeah. Uh, or worrying about eight other comics and 10,000 other audience members. Yeah, Because that's what that – that's what those were the numbers. The Enmore's, what, 1,700 seats? Yeah. Eight other comics. Yeah. That's, that's a massive six, impact. 16,000 people going in and out of that venue in one day. And then you've got the street yourself, you've got the evening yourself. It's, it's so huge. Uh huh. And is this the, is that the only city that that happened in? Are you having any? Yeah, 
You'd it's the only th- city it's happened nothing, in. Nothing here in Perth? No. Nah. No, no. In, Perth is great. We had the show last night. Sold out at the Regal and it was... Oh, great room. Standing, standing ovation. Just fantastic. And in Adelaide... Uh, sold out, standing ovations, one protester on the last night with a cardboard sign. And to be quite frank, the audience started to boo him. And thank God we had security there because they went, no, 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 hang on, that's not going to happen. And the security could safely escort him, this lovely protester, away to somewhere he was safe. I'm like, he can protest. Yeah. I believe in... Free speech, yeah. you can safely protest. You better to protest. Absolutely. It would be, it would be, hypocrit- it would be hypocritical of us no, but, to just go, I don't believe in that cause. But also, like, he went to the effort. Bro. He went to the effort of putting a Sharpie to a piece of cardboard. I don't want that to go to waste. Oh. Yes. <laughs> nice. He even spelt it right. He was just in a, he got out of his single bed in his mother's house. <laughs> Went over to his little inspiration, his inspiration station. Just, just a, just a single, a single square table pushed up against the wall with no windows. Absolutely, <laughs> a lot of red thread and maybe a live, laugh, love poster. Yes. maybe a little cat being a hang in there poster. That's it. Yeah. Oh, that's what Jesus. Why isn't there a picture of a crucified Jesus with hang in there, baby? Hang in there. That's fantastic. That's <laughs> oh, great. Um. So yeah, no other city. And in fact, the sales, um, kind of the sales have been great. But in Sydney specifically, and I think it's because of this group, this specific group. So Christian are they, are, are Christian Lives Matter specifically in Sydney? They're not yeah. like, uh, they're just there. And what do you, what do you think they do? Do you think they have a clubhouse? <laughs> oh, the I church. Think, <laughs> I think the they church. definitely do have a clubhouse. I think the snacks are awful. Uh, I think it's always drafty. That's one of the reasons they're grumpy. They're always on the verge of catching a cold. You think um, we had little sticker name tags? Oh yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> uh, all of them, all of them written in blood. I, um, <laughs> I, I look. The thing is, I'm not one to openly. How do I put this? I don't think there's anything gained by me being uh, openly disrespectful of these people because I don't think that they're the kind of people who are interested in joking about it. Like they can send me as much hate to me as they want. I'll have a sense of humor about myself mm-hmm. and I'll be able to go, well, I'll take that and I'll actually, I'll put that in the show. Yeah. You know, one of the messages was just like, Hey, drag fag to me. And I'm like, that's funny. I'm putting it on a t-shirt and selling it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to get a tote bag saying drag fag like bag. Like the pits and perverts t-shirts. You know yeah. about that? The, yeah. Where the, the miners, the gay community no. helped the miners in Wales. What? Because the miners were getting uh, ostracized and fucking villainized by the right wing media when they were closing the mines. And the gay community saw what was happening to them and just went and started doing fundraisers for the miners, for their families. Amazing. And there's, uh, I think the film's called Pride actually. Okay. And it was made in like 2015. Oh, that I've never, I, it's, it's terrible guy. I haven't seen it. It's so good. Yeah. And, uh, and basically they had this, this, um, like a, a kind of festival where they had, cause they got called the pits and perverts was a headliner headline on the newspaper. Right. Like as if these two, these two villains of society had joined <laughs> and they just made these amazing pits and pe- uh, pits and perverts t-shirts for the pits and perverts night and all the miners and the gay community went, went, uh, Oh, like I love pa- that. Partying and making money. That's fantastic. And, uh, and I managed to get a vintage one for my wife. So I got one of the actual ones from the 80s. How much did that cost you? Not even that much. Just like right. the price of a t-shirt. Like maybe it's like 20 quid or something. Amazing. Yeah. I love that. I just love that. It's so interesting. Um, it's so interesting where intersectionality comes into it. 
And you just go, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of intersectionality on the right. Nah. And then the left comes through. Yeah. Because they're always interested. The right's just interested in division. It's yeah. always interested in division. Mm-hmm. It's the only way to conquer. Yeah. I always, I always have found that that the and I mean it's it's kind of a cliched opinion anyway, but the right really stick together and the left are kind of against each other a little bit. So they, they, like it doesn't matter where you are on the sliding scale of right wing. Though if you're bigoted, that's good enough for me. It doesn't matter how bigoted, right? <laughs> yeah. If you're just training wheels, bigoted. Well, I just think it's because they don't have any, um, they don't have inter- any interpersonal ideals. Mm-hmm. They don't have any care about feelings. Right, uh-huh. they're just moving forward on an agenda, which yeah. I love. And like, you have the gay agenda. I'm like, do we? You have an agenda. You have not stopped moving on for centuries. Uh, and on the left, people are more caring about feelings, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why it's a good thing. But it does mean that we stop in and check. We stop in and check, and we check ourselves much yeah. more than the right does. Yeah, that's, I suppose that's what's happening. But sometimes you- it goes too far. Yeah, it absolutely goes too far, and we get bogged down in the minutia of it and checking: is everyone okay? Are you being offensive? Are you problematic? Uh, mm-hmm. Out of fear that we're not the right. Yeah, you use the, the right knows it's right. It's not burdened by that. They uh-huh. just go, well, let's yeah. keep on yeah, fucking shutting exactly. shit down. Exactly, and then like also the the left the left sometimes don't leave you room for growth. So if there's something you said ten years ago that yeah. you've changed on, they'll dig that up to bring you down. And all, it's so funny. The all the right has to do is just like drop a little pebble like that in. Oh, well, in 2010 you said this in a tweet, and then the left just go on it. But also, can I say this? We say this happens. The 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 output of outrage from the Daily Mail, mm-hmm. right? or press like that is what that is. It's the distraction method. It's the outrage machine. It's that. The rise in hate for what I said is calculable by the amount of Daily Mail articles that happen. They fuel the outrage of, um, and I don't know if these people do think of them, sorry. I don't know if these people do view themselves as the right, like these Christian lives matter. Yeah. Or, um, Christians in general, let's say, view themselves on the right, but the press that they read are pulling strings, mm-hmm. pulling yeah. strings. Oh, that completely. like because your, your Sky News out here is more like Fox News, isn't Correct. it? I'm yeah. told. Whereas Sky Sky News back home, it isn't like right down the barrel of the lens. This is how you think. It's just a lot more subtle. Mm. It's like, for instance, uh, when I was at the Black Lives Matter marches in London. Um, it was just such a friendly occasion. It was yeah. such like it was such an occasion of love. Like there was absolute love and support and that in the air. And like if anybody had dropped litter, somebody would pick it up. If anyone knocked down a road cone, somebody would put it back. Because everybody knew all eyes are on us. They want us to fuck up. They want this to end in a riot. Right. And then and then I was there for like what, like four hours or something, and then hanging around and chatting to people. And there's people with megaphones, like educating and talking, and uh, and everybody else listening. And it was just such a, it was such a like wholesome occasion, despite the anger towards what was happening towards black people. And um, and I went home after that and watched Sky News just to see how it was being broadcast. And there was this fifteen second clip of. When it got dark, a little bit of pushing and shoving with some police and the police chasing some people down an alley. Yeah. Right. And they must have had to go through hundreds of hours of footage to get that 15 seconds yeah. and then go, got it. Got it. Show that up north. So I'm down in London. I've been on the march. I know how it was. 
And now I'm watching on TV and then I'm looking on Facebook of everybody going mad. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting because uh, another thing that occurred was, and this was covered as well, <laughs> was that all of these um, Sky News and Daily Mellon right-wing pundits, um, all of them 6.30 p.m. news stuff, like how disgusting this this queer comic told this disgusting joke while children were watching at 6.30 p.m., when people are having dinner with their kids and then they play the clip. Every single one of them played the clip. Like, oh, so you don't the find folk? it that disgusting. Yeah. The clip is still up all over the place because it gets some views. And just in case your children missed it, yeah, here it is again. Exactly right. Uh, and you know what's good? A lot of them children would have been telling that joke at school. Absolutely. Because the children weren't offended by no. it. The children would have thought it was fucking hilarious because yep. it was dirty and it was it's, mocking God. A lot of them were like, how do I explain this joke to my kids? I'm like, don't. Why are you watching TV with your kids while you're eating dinner? Are you afraid to talk to them? Yeah. You're not telling your kids anything. Yeah. Plus, your kid probably already knows. Like, at what age are you, are you really watching a news program with a five-year-old? Uh, and if you are, they're not yeah. going to know what this means. No. Or you just say, oh, it's a joke about having sex. Why are you afraid to talk about your kid to your kid about sex? Yeah. Oh, don't, even, don't even tell them about the euphemism. No. And just go... Well, he got nailed to the cross for three days. Yeah. You can absolutely brush over it. Exactly. It's a sacrifice. A, eh? a lot of the comics that I work, work with in Melbourne work in the writer's room at the project. Mm -hmm. And, um, and apart in the project, the, the comedian in the writer's room gets the job of answering a lot of the Facebook messages as well. Don't know how that job got there. But one of them was like, first off, we got like 6,000 or something messages in a day. And one of them was, this has affected me more than anything in my life. Oh, my God. What a vanilla life. I know. What a, have you just been sat there the whole time? Yeah. Have you been in stasis? Have you been in an isolation tub? Have you been in Plato's cave? <laughs> have you been watching Shadows on the Wall? Yes. But yes, they have. <laughs> yes. Yes, that, but that, yeah. is what, <clears throat> that is what fundamental religion is. Yes. It's Plato's cave. This is one thing that I do respect about reform Judaism, which is what I was raised in. And I don't respect a lot about religion. Two things. One, when I was 13 and I said to my rabbi, I don't think religion is for me. He said, I respect that. All you have to do to be a good Jew is treat others as you would be treated and you can go off on your life. I was like, great. Fantastic. It, it respects the idea that being a basic human is not, is not solely the remit of religion. Yeah. It's not the only thing you get. And then... Yeah, um, to be able to just go, okay, be kind. Yeah. Off the pop. Like, I show love. Yeah. Show empathy. Yeah. Right. And yeah, you're doing you're doing everything by the scriptures as far as I'm concerned, if you're exactly if you're showing right. kindness. And the other thing about Judaism that I like is that it is a religion that is based on not the blind faith in God, but a struggle with God. Mm -hmm. And it's about education. It values education. And education outside the church, yeah. outside the synagogue. And education also involves questioning authority. Questioning. There's so much questioning of God. And within a lot of this Torah, a lot of the religious figures, uh, and they're apocryphal, you can say that they're fictional. It's all up for debate, you know. Um, but at least, at least a lot of them question God and struggle with God and have a real tussle with yeah. God. And it's not about blind faith. It's one of the small few things about any of religion that I truly go, that's, a, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I think, because if, you, if you're struggling with God and you're questioning God, like it, it's actually, 
takes a lot of faith to still be with him at the end of it because the minute you start questioning anything like that, it unravels. Yeah. And look, I'm, look, I'm an atheist. I'm totally up for, um, I'm totally science-based. You know, I don't believe that there could be a God. And as Stephen Fry said, if there is a God, he's a fucking asshole mm-hmm. for making a world like this, right? But if you're going to try and make a religion, at least let that religion be grounded in some kind of debate, it should be yeah. fertile enough and robust enough. Yeah, you're to right. Be up for uh, you, you should like the the reason that everyone's so rigid in that protection with it is because Fertility. they know yeah. they know that the minute you fuck <laughs> the minute you blaspheme <laughs> is the minute it crumbles. That's create, it. create a human shield, correct? Of, of brainwashed people around this silly story that we've all agreed upon, I'm, and fight them. Yeah, fight I'm, them if they try anything. It just feels like trying to make a sandcastle on a wet day. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to crumble. It's falling apart, isn't well, it? you know, we were here before. Every human being was here before God and we were fine. Yeah. It and, got built. And, all religion got built as and, a form of financial and educational control. Of course. For wealth. Yeah. And, and it's like maybe it was needed a little bit. I'm not going to. Well, we didn't have science. I'm not going to say there wasn't a use for it. Yeah. Right? Because... People might have, like, broke the laws and committed crimes if they didn't think God was watching, well, if they weren't superstitious beings that didn't have more answers than we have now. Do you know a, now. A, lot of, a lot of religious laws about food are just because we didn't have fridges. Yeah. We didn't oh, have refrigeration. Oh, yeah. Don't like, eat selfish. Don't eat pork. Sensible oh, when you're don't in. Don't eat pork in the desert where you can't... Refrigerate Refrigerate. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not a... Don't boil, don't boil, um, don't cook meat and dairy in the same dish. Not because you would be boiling a calf in its mother's milk, which is a lovely kind of idea. Also delicious. Veal and dairy with a cream sauce. Gorgeous. Nice. But... Um, it's just about the fact that we didn't have proper hygiene, no soap, no antibacterial, yeah. no nothing. Washing your hands, there are prayers for washing your hands three times. It's hygiene rules. Yeah. And also just not even religion, putting your shoes on the table. That's bad luck. Is it bad luck? Did your whole family get food poisoning last time you put exactly dog shit on the table? Exactly. And like opening an umbrella and indoors is bad luck. What, because you knocked your vase over? Grandma's ashes got knocked off the fireplace because you fucking opened your umbrella and Don't break your mirror because it's bad luck. No, you'll just get glass in your foot, you prick. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like don't walk over three drains. Okay, the, do you know about that one? Don't walk over three drains. Where are you living that you have three drains in a row? And what do you need that much drainage for? We live in Britain where it rains always. <laughs> uh, L- <laughs> London, right? My, uh, my wife would run to work. And there's like when you get like the three drain covers. That's yeah. The, like the common three drain covers. Like if you walk over two, you have to like kind of jump to one side. But sometimes you should be jogging to work and there's people pushing prams and that. And it's just like diving into people. That's pushing very it. funny. And I had to just like, just right. What we'll do is we'll, we'll go out, we'll run over the drains a bunch of times, right? And then if anything bad happens, we'll deal with it. Right? <laughs> but you need to get this. It's exposure therapy. <laughs> yeah, we need to get this out your head so you can live your life. That's very funny. But yeah, people, there's people like listening to this, muggles that will not... Run or walk over free drains. They simply won't. I still, I still go over like when I'm walking along a pavement. I'll still like not step on a crack if I can help it. Oh, really? It's Which that. is really stupid. Yeah. I'm 38 years old. Yeah. My mother's had two hip replacements. Her back is the it least. Backs, she yeah. smokes. She's 75 year old who smokes. She'd love a lie down. Yeah. <laughs> and I would love a house. Could you hurry up, Mum? Have another cigarette. God, imagine like the one time you stepped on a crack. And then it's down. She was just like, she just, she physically broke her back. It, That's what that app was, actually. It wasn't my virgin. It was just, I've got it linked up to my mum's neural pathway. 
Uh, and <laughs> so the, the drains, the drains, the three drains in a row. Yeah. Of course that would have been unsafe 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Yeah. That would, before health and safety, before people started suing the council. <laughs> that was unsafe. Before that's we had not, litigators. That's not a superstition. You fell down a well. Do you know my, um, my mate, uh, she's actually the producer of my podcast, Come to Daddy, available where you get all good podcasts. Um, she <clears throat> She's devoted part of her life to operating a pug hospice. Great. Uh, so while we're recording the podcast, we used to have um, several pugs in Spe- different forms of decay. Specifically pugs. Specifically pugs. Because she's like, they've had a hard life. They've been the victim of human kind of genetic interference, eugenics for yeah, dogs. They, they can't breathe good. No. And when they get older, no one wants them because they're full of health issues and shit. So she had like she had like two 15-year-old pugs in prams. One of them had no eyes because the eyes are the first things to go in oh. pugs because they either pop out or their faces are so shallow that they get poked out by running into things. And Velma, this pug would just be like, snoring and wheezing while we're trying to record a podcast. Adorable little abominations. And they really are. Uh, and But Velma would go taken out for walks where we were, and that's just letting Velma off the leash in the street and letting her just stumble around. But every so often, Velma would try accidentally to walk over a grate and fall into it, but just her legs, because her body's uh, too fat to go through, and she'd just sit there just looking like this little wiggling little fur pug, sausage. little pug slug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just a little poke slug on the drain. Just there. No and she only, her tongue would hang out the side of her mouth, but she also had a hemorrhoid. So because she had no tail or eyes, you really didn't know which end was. She just had a bum grape yeah. and a tongue. Yeah, the grape of wrath. Just, just like a hot dog. You didn't know which one was which until you got too close to it, really. No. And she would just sit there on the grate, just wiggling and snuffling and kind of going, could someone help me, please? Oh, that's adorable. So my, uh, I told, I've told you that my wife's running a dog soft play. No, Devin, I don't what tell you about this. That? No. Ev- ev- everybody knows about the dog and bone on the podcast, but it's a indoor dog park for people to walk their dog outdoors. As I mentioned, it rains a lot in the UK. It's muddy, sp- specifically Scotland. She must be making a million dollars. You know what? She does well off dog birthday parties. I bet she does. People are insane. People love putting balloons up for their dogs, getting doggy ke- cakes, and uh, and coming and hanging out. And uh, I mean, it's it's more healthy than having kids, isn't it? And probably yeah. a cheaper. Yeah, and she can take a dog to work now. You know? Oh yeah, can it's, she? It's just yeah, it's just Disneyland. What kind of dog is it? Pe- uh, Peggy's a Cavapoo. <laughs> she <laughs> lives it. lives in Disneyland. She's got a she's got a ball pit. That's awesome. a sand sand pit. Can I can I come and volunteer and be your dog for a week? Yes, <laughs> you'll be my dog. <laughs> you great. You could come out and hang at the dog and bone, or you could actually just be my dog. Fantastic. Yeah, you and Peggy, <laughs> Peggy getting jealous I mean, of you. I've got a leash. It's fine. I'm <laughs> yeah, sort of trained for the most days. Uh, she's been told, because we were concerned about the summer coming up, but we don't have long summers, but we might have to endure like a couple of weeks of sunshine where we compete with the parks, mm. you know. Um, but somebody came in for pug club. We had a pug club where it was full of pugs. And they were like, this is going to be great in the summer because pugs Can't, struggle yeah. with their breathing and the heat is a problem. Do you just pump ventolin into the vents? What's ventolin again? Ventolin Which one's that? Ventolin is like the inhaler, the thing you oh, use. Oh, right. It's, like that, a, it's a steroid yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, vent, <laughs> ventolin plugins, like yeah, Glade. Yeah. A pug-in. A pug-in. Ventolin plugins. We're going to be rich. <laughs> Ruben, we're going to be fucking rich. We've invented ventolin plugins to just put ventolin around the house of pug owners. Slosses. Furious he missed out on this. Yeah, uh-huh. This is great. Well, man, thank you for replacing Sloss today because this has been a fantastic podcast. We've done it now and you've got a sound check. Oh, shit, I do actually, um, yeah. So plug some stuff, right? So you're coming to the Fringe? I'm coming to Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, I'm there for the whole month with my show, The K-Hole. 
come in. And uh, then my, we're doing a victory lap of the Butcher's Back, which sold out last year. So we're doing the last two weeks. Great. And is that your solo show? Is That's that my solo show. show. Your cabaret show is the K-hole? Uh, the lineup show. The cabaret Lame. show is the K-hole. And then the solo show, the Butcher's Back. Just look me up. They're on sale now. And then actually we're about to announce a UK and Europe tour. Amazing. Of the Butcher's Back. Great. Uh, so keep in... And are you going to come to Glasgow? love to come to Are you going to stay at Maine? Yes, I absolutely yeah. am. I'm bringing a leash in the ball the pit. Yes, I'm going to be in the ball happening. pit. Do you know I used to gig in Glasgow in Candlerigs? Candlerigs? I'm not familiar with Candlerigs. Candlerigs, it's, um, it's the street, that little cobblestone street just near the rooms. What's okay. that gay bar? Is it called Rooms? The Rooms? Riding Rooms. Riding Rooms. Near the Riding Rooms. You've got to come to the writing rooms. They'll yeah. tear you apart. We'll It'll be that. great. We'll get, we'll get the right. Take me to the writing rooms when <laughs> <laughs> we're in Glasgow. I wonder if it's still there. Anyway, I'm on tour. You can find me on all the social medias, uh, Ruben K Official on Instagram, at Ruben K on TikTok and Twitter and Facebook if you're still on Facebook. <laughs> you relic. And if you are still on Facebook, you're probably on, you're probably more likely to be on Christian Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> find me on Christian Mingle. Uh, thank you so much, mate. That was wonderful. Hey, it's a joy. Thank uh, you. And, uh, I mean, uh, I'm going to try and come to a short night. I think I've finished my last gig as you start, but I'm going to duck in the back. We'll go up late. I'm going to climb in the back of the yeah, hole. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, oh, bye, plug some stuff. And we're about to go for lunch, start talking some more. And we're like, let's just talk some more. Well, um, one thing that we didn't talk about was in terms of free speech and getting cancelled, it's this thing of the right is always the first person to say you can't say anything anymore and we have to have free speech everyone's getting cancelled and the thing is it it's always the irony of we want free speech for us for us yeah we want we want free speech we want to be able to make fun of you yes we want to make be able to make fun of black people homosexual people Trans yeah, people, disabled people, yeah, disabled people. It's always, women. You can't say anything. You can't call midgets midgets anymore. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, guys, uh, move yeah. on. Does that, does that bother you so much that you, you can't say midget? But the minute they come under any kind of scrutiny, the minute they come, they go, oh, we're victims, we're victims. It's a very great bait and switch. It was saying, oh, you're the ones with the agenda. They have the agenda. You're the ones who are victimizing us. Yeah. You know, it's always funny to be like, oh, Christians have been under attack for years, and this is too much. I'm like, what? Christians have owned the land, murdered people for who they are for centuries. Aye. Fiddled with children. Yeah, exactly. And they and it's it's very interesting. So that, um, Daniel has a bit about um, people that h- hate the idea of people being triggered. Right? Yeah. Burn a flag in front of them. <laughs> yeah. They're just triggered by different things. Yep. They don't realise because they, when they're outraged by something, they don't realise that they're being triggered. No. Because they think their outrage is legitimate. Exactly. And your outrage has no substance. I think there could be a lovely thing to try, which is when everyone says I'm offended, it's, you don't use the word offended, use the word challenged. I'm challenged. I'm, I'm challenged ch- by that. I'm challenged by I'm that. I'm challenged by that because these people are so built into masculinity as an ideal that they will not back down from a challenge. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's a very different word to, oh, it's offensive. It's offensive. Offensive means outrage. A challenge means you have to grapple with the idea of yeah. it. And I think that's a I'm, real, I would love to do that. I'm challenged by that and I'm pretty convinced you won't win us over, but give it a shot. Right? Yeah. Right. I'm challenged by that. How do I deal with the challenge? Mm-hmm. I've got to, I've got to I'll really. Tr- I'll try and be open-minded to this challenge. Mm-hmm. I'm disagreeing with it right now. Yeah. With the plugins that my software has. Yeah. Offended is a shut-off, so you can do what you've been trained to do, which is fight. 
yeah essentially uh-huh. which is violence which, which is, is I, I don't want to I don't want to use my words I want to use my fists I'm going to defend my opinion like a sports fan yeah I'm not changing team yeah I support this through thick and thin even when it's losing yeah even when this opinion is losing but also gonna... like sports often it's about something that doesn't affect them and they don't have skin in the game yeah people love sport because like oh I get to do everything and get the adrenaline spike and the uh-huh. dopamine yeah. spike while not actually uh-huh. playing the game while not having any Skin in it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And the same for religion. You know what I love with sport is that there's still a bit of primal tribalism that's in us it. because we evolved really fast in the last 10,000 years. Yeah. So there's still a bit of that's my tribe. Yeah. Right. And that what I love is I just get to vent that. I get to go and stand in a stadium and cheer on my team. Yeah. Right. And then I don't take that into the world. But people, <laughs> but people do. They take it into the world and uh-huh. it becomes their identity. And the same for religion. Religion is just fucking soccer hooliganism with better wardrobe mm-hmm. and possibly nicer music. Yeah. Because again, it's also about funneling huge amounts of money away from people who need it most. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, I saw. A- and it's about tribalism, tribalism masquerading as community. Mm-hmm. And that's again another reason why the queer community actually has community. Yes. And the royalists at the moment. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Coronation is embarrassing. It's again, it's, it's football hooliganism. And you see all the people going, I don't want to talk about the, the Republican, the Republic. uh, Sorry. I don't want to talk about the anti-monarchists. I don't want to give them any oxygen. I'm like, have you seen the booze? Charles going out and just getting booed in Liverpool with not my king and huge yes. fucking. And it's so ridiculous. At taxpayer expense, this it's dick is going to so get crowned. so expensive. There's people starving in that country right now. There's people that can't pay for that heat. Hundreds of millions they of pounds it's going to cost. They can't keep the house warm over he the winter. He didn't pay inheritance tax on $1.6 billion worth of inherited wealth from his mum. And you got poor people that are saying, well, they bring in more money. Yeah. They bring in more money than, but again, the, this than is they again, spend. The and you're media. like, how about you bring in all that money, spend, spend less, yeah. and you won't be as hungry. Imagine if, imagine if Charles said, hey, look, um, I will, the $100 million that we would have spent on this coronation, I will give to food banks in, north, in the north of England, or I will give to that funding, and someone just put the fucking thing on my head. Mm-hmm. We'll go to the Crown. We'll film it like a Netflix stand-up oh, like special. Oh, like a TikTok Two man. cameras, a, selfie TikTok, cam? a selfie coronation. I would have more respect. Uh, it's ever all of us having to tune in and swear allegiance to a piece of sunburnt play-doh with no chin. Oh man, how's that the king? Because I've I've always I've been saying this about like when when alpha men start talking about I'm a king. Right. And then you're not thinking of that guy. No, he looks like he shares genetic material with a half shaved spaniel. (laughs) Like, why is he? I don't understand it. I just you. What did you say on stage about the spunk, the text? Oh, my God. I said, I I have this bit. I have this bit about the fact that he's getting crowned not by not by an assessment of merit or capability or an electoral process, just by the divine right of kings, which just means it's hereditary. It just means that seed was involved. And you know it's going to be that old English thin, watery load, like when a room temp egg white can't hold its shape. And it's very different from me because I like a man so butch when he comes I have to chew. I wanted like a shotgun full of gnocchi. 
I, like because you, you you said that and I was like you you just said it once and I'm trying to memorize what you had said so that when I'm doing the wounded deer the wounded deer the, is so graphic <laughs> it's so shockingly awful when you said it a chill ran through my body because I all I thought of was Bambi. Oh, yeah. Like Bambi's <laughs> mum when she disappears into the bushes and you hear the gunshot and the <laughs> silence and Bambi's are going, Mom, that's what I thought of. That's what, that's what Natalie was becoming that it bit. It was so good. So do you know, um, I've got this thing that I hadn't heard of until I realised I had it called aphantasia. What's it's that? I'm mind blind. I don't have a visual imagination. I can't conjure up an image. Like I saw a tweet the other day about, do you know that you can just close your eyes and rotate a cow in your head? Nobody can stop you doing it and it costs you nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's my disability. I can't do that. (laughs) That's the best thing. I can't do the main cow. I'm done. I'm I'm out. Everybody has the main cow, right? (laughs) That's the best thing. That's so joyful. I can't, I can't do it. There's nothing there. There's blackness and darkness. You can't think of a cow, like even just one angle? Mate, I can't think of anything. How did no, you come up with Wounded Deer? I create so much theatre for the mind without having a theatre in my mind. I create so much imagery. That's so funny. I read books, right? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not having the fucking vivid hallucinations that you guys have on your stories. I've had memory wanks over darkness. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, hot. That sounds great. I've got no. When I close my eyes, there's no images. That's what I love about LSD. Actually, because it fucking peaks the colourful explosion. Oh, fucking! Do when you take LSD, also do you get very horny? Um, nah. I've I've only done it a couple of times, and nah. Every time, every time, just like. No, but I, I wasn't around stimulus when I was on All it right. either. I was just, I was spiked in Benidorm, which we talked about on the podcast recently, so I won't go over it, but I was just fucking running around the streets not knowing I was on acid. And then... Um, like be- the only person who thinks Benidorm's amazing because you could see it in five different dimensions. Yeah, aye, it was crazy. It's fucking... I finally, I finally give it some life. I, I took LSD in Zurich in... Um, and we were in a five-person uh, fuck pile. And as we were doing it, um, there was a, a girl in the middle uh, and a guy in front of her and she was bent over and there was a guy behind her and I was behind the guy and we we're standing in the middle of the room and we we're all of our suitcases X all on tour, blah, blah, blah. And as she came, um, she squirted into her own open luggage. Did you? <laughs> you hate it when your cat does that? <laughs> <laughs> you get angry at your cat for that? And we all just kind of went, oh, no. Uh, Except she went more like, oh, no. Fantastic. You're like, come on, Carol, it was in a different room. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, well, sorry, but tomorrow's a travel day. We've got to dry that stuff out. Oh, man. And, uh, sorry, I just I looked there because this seemed like it was a lot louder than before. This is an, oh, edit. I'm... This is an edit point. I thought I was recording off a different mic, oh. but I'm not. I thought, you know, how sometimes that. No, I think I'm just, I'm leaned. In. Now we're talking about sex. I've uh, leaned into the yeah, mic yeah. instead of religion when I was like far back here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good, though. <laughs> It's good that it's recorded. I'm just going to check. Wait, 9 minutes 50. I'll give another point for that. Yeah. Um, the coronation, I want to get back to this. Yeah, get to it. Um, the amount of people that I've seen on Vox Pops, of like people videoing and asking about um, Prince Andrew, and everyone's so forgiven. But all the royals, all the uh, Union Jack waving flag shaggers, 
I've really forgiven about Prince Andrew being on Epstein's island and and um an underage sex worker and all the fucking it's interesting. debauchery that comes with him. It's interesting because also the defense of it, it's so funny, the defense of it is, oh, well, so is this left-wing person or so is this other person. Yeah, and you hate them, so why can't you hate him? Yeah, exactly but, right. But it's the, it's the instant turn on a dime about Prince Harry when he gets brought up, mm. how disdainful they are and how unforgivable his mm-hmm. actions are for um, loyalty and family. Because the hierarchy of priority for them is the monarchy because the monarchy ties them to an England that existed or that never existed, but they think existed, that they tie themselves to as a proprietary, not proprietary, um, what's it called? Um, Like a a fetishization of old English values, Uh right? Uh, And... Fucking kids is part of the old English yeah. values. Like, oh, Prince Andrew. No, he's just a nonce. He's just a, a little... I've, I've seen a guy on one of these video um, like mm. interviews of people that are queuing up and camping out. I've seen a guy just saying he was just born in the wrong century. <laughs> yeah, if he was Pope, you, we wouldn't have a problem with it, guys. You, you, it, forgive, you, you forgive his nonsense by saying like, oh, you could date back then when I people also, died at 40. I also think there's an element of these people fetishize class. And if you have class, not money, class, then you can do anything. Because Harry yeah. married, in their mind, beneath him yes. and is separating from and rejecting class. Yeah. Uh, they go, he's a traitor. He's a traitor to English values and an American as well. And they already have yeah. history with Wallace Simpson of hating the abdication of people who marry into an American. Who's Wallace Simpson again? Wallace Simpson was an American divorcee who married, oh, fuck, it's gone out of my head. I want to say Albert. I have to Google this so I don't fuck up your podcast and seem like an uneducated prick. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean we're, we are known on this podcast for the education that we provide. Yeah. It's, it's less of a podcast and more of a public service. Um, yeah, so she married King Edward and he abdicated because she was a divorcee and it caused a constitutional crisis that led to his abdication. And this is in, um, uh, and she was in, she was in the, this was in the 30s, uh, I think. And... Um, Great jewellery and fashion collection, which is how she kind of is a bit of a queer icon. But again, it's about a king, a king marrying beneath him, right? You know, or a prince marrying beneath him and rejecting the monarchy. Oh, this whole looking up to an authority that is bloodline mm-hmm. is archaic and st- absurd and ridiculous. And so we've just got to accept that we're still living in the past. Yeah, <laughs> we all live like like. In the future, this period of time will be laughable. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully. Hopefully. But I also think that there's a, because of the way social media works, and yes, we're starting to police social media more, which people are taking as censorship, but look at what social media has done. Yes, it has connected us all, but it has also enforced rigid bubbles Mm. around all of us, which reinforce our views. Yes. Which divide us more and it's also muddied the waters with information uh-huh. it's it's give everybody validation for whatever their opinion is however far-fetched it is mm-hmm. there'll always be some quite well produced documentary that looks legit that'll fucking oh my God. netflix's constant craving for content mm-hmm. uh means that stuff gets put on there that you go the fuck is this? But by, by the fact by virtue of the fact that it's a netflix documentary it has yeah. legitimacy you go yeah. what 
what's going on here? What am I watching? Yeah, yeah. I, I watched. I started watching this like high budget like um, ancient aliens type ancient, thing. Ancient, ancient apocalypse. Is that what it was? And I it, think it is. And it it's, is, is it that guy Graham Hancock who's that, been like debunked like several times? Well, right? he opens with, uh, I, I, "Am I a historian? No. <laughs> am I a scientist? <laughs> no. Am I an architect? No." But I ask the questions. <laughs> oh my and god! I it's essentially out. another white man with a podcast. Who gives a shit? <laughs> but with a Netflix budget, and we can't get Netflix specials. You're pretty much just do, doing what doing what we do, but trying to make it look like you have an authority. Correct, and no jokes. We <laughs> yeah, should learn from jokes, him. Aye. Take away the jokes, add some authority. You're Joe Rogan. Oh, man, I think we actually do need to get you to your sound check now. Yeah, i got to get to right, my sound check. Uh, Thank but, you very but much. But thanks for the little post-credits as well, because that was fun. We've got oh, to, it's a pleasure. We've got to fucking roast the coronation and, uh, talk, and, and also tie up the loose ends about the censorship that we're talking about. Yeah. What a blast, man. Go see me at the Fringe.